0: Spags, we are back. We might not have nailed our rider dies, but the bracket we filled out last week is eerily correct after one round. It is so hard to
1: be perfect in this industry with all the watchdogs out there. Yet here we were, Pete and I, last week creating a bracket on the fly, perfection through the wild card round, super wild card weekend, as its friends call it. Today we're back up to bat for the divisional round. Some really interesting plays today that we're going to talk about that are coming up this weekend. as Travis Kelsey a must-play? We'll hit on it right after this very short intro. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Splash Play. Of course, you guys know the deal by now. No time wasted. Let's get right into it. Pete, you can see here on the screen our perfect bracket that we are now rolling into another week here. Uh, We had some upsets on the board. We did pick the Jags to win, did pick the Giants to win. Uh, The Cowboys, I think not technically an upset relative to the markets, but certainly a team that got steamed down i guess by all the people thinking tom brady was going to show up how do you feel about this first weekend here because it does feel nice to be perfect through at least one round
0: yeah, it's funny because I did, you know, we weren't going out on a huge limb with the Jags. I mean, they were two and a half point home underdogs. I think the biggest one we nailed would, of course, be the Giants. I know there was some late sentiment that that liked the Giants here, but when you looked at that spread and, and obviously the seating, I think that was our, our biggest call. And like you said, too, like there was similarly, I would say the Jags and Tampa were similar, right? Where people had convinced themselves that the home underdogs were the play but we saw right through that Tom Brady bullshit we know he's cooked we know he's destined to go throw 30 interceptions for the Raiders next year and we picked the Cowboys
1: uh, were there any key takeaways for you from that weekend obviously I'm sure you talked about it enough here but if you want to give your elevator pitch thoughts on what happened last week and anything really stand out as being uh, noteworthy to you about the teams that remain
0: I mean, I think the biggest thing, right, was seeing the Bengals and Bills really struggle against second and third string quarterbacks. I think that's what surprised everyone. You saw those spreads were at 10 and nine and a half, or sorry, 13 and a half, I believe, for the Bills and uh, in nine, eight and a half for the Bengals. So that, I think, has impacted how people are thinking about those teams. And then it's just ironic that they're playing each other this week. And then, of course, we have the emotional, you know, rematch of their Week 17 game that was canceled. Nothing else was too, too crazy to me. Like, it seemed like the Jags and the Chargers were close with the Jags the better team. It seemed like, same, the Vikings and the Giants would play a close game. Not a surprise that the Vikings fired their defensive coordinator after that game, after they just hemorrhaged points all year. I guess my one surprise, I did think the Seahawks were going to keep it closer. They did in the first half. And then, you know, you tried to warn me last week, uh, and then San Francisco blew the doors off them in the second half. That was my only uh, disappointment was I was hoping the Seahawks could keep that closer.
1: So let's talk about Brock Purdy for a second because people pointed out, I did show my exposures for the playoff best ball, the wild card round, and we will try to sneak in a divisional playoff best ball draft today as well because the Mitten Returns again, again, is coming out today. uh, And that's already out in the underdog streets. If you want to play along with us, use a promo code SPLASH. to double your deposit up to 100 bucks. Uh, But one thing that did jump out to me from last week in particular was how, well, first of all, um, the Brock Purdy thing. So I had a ton of Brock Purdy. I know you were mad at the Brock Purdy snipers. Do you feel a similar amount of, Displeasure, discontent with people that were really stacking up Brock Purdy and treating him like he was a QB who deserved our respect heading into wild card weekend.
0: No, I've been having to do this tour all this week uh, to try to explain, yeah, my issue with Brock Purdy was people taking him as a solo one-off QB. Because the whole thing with these contests, right, as uh, week 17 is no longer all that matters. It's the Super Bowl week. Week, what is it, 22 is all that matters here. And so making sure you have a live lineup in the Super Bowl is what you're going for. And so I will look at these Brock Purdy snipers, and I'm like, if you are correct and the Niners go to the Super Bowl, you are dead with this team. Like, you can't win. You need him with George Kittle. You need him with CFC. And so that's why I was tilting. We're the, the raw doggers. I actually have, I'm looking at my exposures for my team's advancing. I have 20% Brock Purdy, my third highest QB after Lawrence and Dak Prescott. So I'm on the Brock Purdy train. I'm just loaded up with fucking Niners when I have him.
1: How many uh, Jalen Hurtses did you get across? Because I got a stone cold zero of Jalen Hurts
0: yeah, I got two percent across one share. Um, and I was what what stings about that is one of my biggest like my exposures heading into it. Um, not necessarily hurts, but I had a ton of Devonta Smith and a ton of Dallas Goddard and I did not get a ton of that through. And I'm actually pretty happy with my advance rate. I had um, a little over 200 teams and had 49 teams advance. Um, so to be heavy on the Eagles and get that through, I feel good, but you do think, man, what could have been if you could have snuck through some of those bi-week teams.
1: Did you have particularly ridiculous advance rates per tournament? Like, is it, Cause that was the thing I've observed. I saw a lot of people on Twitter doing it and like, and I normally, you know, we've talked about it enough. I don't care about advance rates that much. What matters is if you can win it at the end, like yeah. ultimately advance rates are kind of a vanity stat along the way. But like I had over 60% in the mitten four, I think, over fifty-five percent in the mitten three. Like it just seemed like people, the fact people were drafting so poorly, and again, not stacking up Brock Purdy, that stuff, it just felt like there were real advantages there in a way that I wish I'd thrown in more entries. Like I only put in a hundred. I wish I'd put in a thousand.
0: Well, I actually think I think we should. The reason I actually kind of, and I'm with you, agree about the advance rate talk, but I actually think it's impressive when you have a decent or even an average advance rate in these, if you are building for the Super Bowl matchups, because your expected advance rate should go down as the one off bros are just, you know, basically have a chance to have a really high floor week one lineup and we're taking zeros with bi-week players we're over stacking so we have more ancillary guys who are unlikely to go off trying to get the cole beasley or khalil shakur in the super bowl so if you have even an average advance rate in these i think you're doing really really good um my to answer your question though what was made sense to me about mine My gauntlet, my initial gauntlet, my initial mitten, the ones before the playoff standings finalized were by far my best advance rates, like my Mm -hmm. early stuff, because I think that was when you could go all in on teams without the market having caught up. And this was even before like the 49ers team. Like, you know, once you were in later drafts, it was almost impossible to get every single good 49er, you know, CMC, Brock, Kittle, Debo, Ayuk. You could do that in the first gauntlet, in the first version of these. So I have a few teams like that. And so to me, that's always my big takeaway. When I looked at my best ball mania entries, my best teams were drafted in May. And it's just like, just fucking draft early. And then like, yeah, you draft for fun. But man, it seemed like the edge is always drafting early.
1: Yeah, I'm with you on that one. One thing, too, I wanted to bring up, I will say, and I'm curious your thoughts on it, and obviously we are going to get into ride-or-die picks in a second catch-up on what we did last week, and then go game by game and go a little more in-depth than uh, just because there's less games to go through. Uh, I think the Giants are a little bit overvalued this weekend. I would say maybe even a lot overvalued, um, especially relative to the divisional round playoff basketball where Saquon goes in the third round, and you basically have to build out a Giants team. I think because the Giants beat kind of a paper Tiger Vikings team that we all flagged, and obviously the analytics industry flagged, our team of football outsiders flagged like they were, they were basically the worst playoff team that's existed in the last you know 20 years or so. But I think now as a result of the Giants pulling off this very mild upset, they're now being treated like they could beat the Eagles. And we even had it in our bracket. And that's the one I wish we could walk back right now because I think the people are thinking the Giants can actually take this and maybe even go to the Super Bowl. And they're well coached. But
0: boy, the talent gap is going to be huge this week. And I kind of think they might get dusted. I I agree with your macro take on the giants, but I, I would push back on them being overvalued in the underdog divisional contest. Uh, Barkley does go early, but to me, I think that's less of a giants win thing and more of the running back positional scarcity thing. Cause running back like falls off a cliff. I love taking Tony, P- Tony Pollard in these people are terrified of this matchup against the Niners. But when you look at the top there, even ETN, right They're they're nine point, uh, underdogs here, negative game script. He hasn't been catching passes like the running backs get thin really early. And I think what people say is, Hey, I might lose Barkley now. But at least I could get a 20-point game from him, even in a losing effort, and help me advance. And then I'll use my James Cooks and Pachecos or whoever. And so then you look at the other wide receivers. I mean, Hodgins still goes in the second-to-last round. Slayton and Richie James are free. Daniel Jones goes super late. So I don't actually think they're being overvalued. I think Saquon's just getting thrust up because of the running back position.
1: That's fair. And I know you've been doing the FFPC stuff. Certainly, he was a very chalky play there as well. So people do love Saquon. I still think he's a league average back who's just getting a ton of volume, and I think we're going to find that out this week uh, against the Eagles. Run defense has improved a lot throughout the year, but we'll find out. Uh, Let's go into the ride or die picks real fast. And worth pointing out the news for the week real fast, too. Not anything that interesting. Um, McCole Hardman going to be out. CEH will be back for the Chiefs. Isaiah McKenzie looking like he'll play. I guess we could touch on that fastly or quickly here, Pete. Um, Do you have any thoughts on that stuff? I feel like the McKenzie thing is the most interesting one. CEH, maybe he gets a a nominal amount of work. But McKenzie coming back in, I feel like it just makes it a three-way share for the slot for the Bills. And it's going to be the hot hand who gets the most work, in my opinion, for the Bills.
0: Yeah, no, I do think it's interesting just because fucking Cole Beasley plays decently when he's on the field, had a touchdown last week. They clearly trust him. He knows the system, yada, yada. Um, But we've seen McKenzie like dust some of these veteran slot wide receivers, you know, same with the Jamison Crowder stuff. So I guess the question is, if he's fully healthy, I do still expect him to be heavily involved. And we saw, what was it, Thanksgiving Day? I mean, they were using him all around the formation, that game against the Lions, I believe it was. You know, they're doing the gadget stuff, but they were also giving him targets, you know, down the sideline and stuff. So I don't know. I still think they like McKenzie, and I think he might be a little bit of a cheat code, especially for these playoff contests where he's free. Everyone just kind of thinks he's just some random Guy right now. And it's funny to actually juxtapose him against Nicole Hardman because I'm starting to get a little spooked about Nicole Hardman's availability the rest of the playoffs. I'm not back at practice yesterday, I believe, again, not expected to play. And those guys are going around the same spot in the draft. And it's like, man, obviously, if you have it's contextual, if you have a Chiefs team, Hardman still has some intrigue, but I feel much better about the way things are trending for McKenzie.
1: Yeah, I've been still taking Hardman in the divisional round playoff drafts in the hopes that he'll be out there when it matters for the Super Bowl, but it definitely does feel like that's getting a little bit thinner a uh, week to week here. Ride or die picks update last week. As Pete mentioned, it wasn't the best week overall, at least for Pete's side. I have gotten a ride or die pick right every single week this season, which, which when did my you my right?
0: Because it was probably the bullshit one that I was like, I shouldn't give you this. No,
1: these are good. So the ones that
0: I got right, Darius Slayton outscores Justin Gosh. Jefferson. That's a monster. I can't. That's a monster. God, I can't believe you. How do you win on my guy, Darius Slayton? Well, here's the thing. I've welcomed him in. Do you know that there are like reports out there that he might get $50 million in free
1: agency? Like he get might get a legit deal because he's now perceived as a genuine outside receiver. Dude,
0: I, I, I hadn't seen that report, but I could totally see him being this year's Christian Kirk. The guy everyone's like, how did he just command that level of money? I actually think that's a pretty good comparison.
1: Yeah, that wouldn't shock me. And then the other one that I got right, Cowboys by 12 and a half points. I guess I could have stacked another 10 points onto that one, but that was our thesis all along was that Tom Brady was not as good as everybody thought he was going to be. I didn't quite think it was going to unfold the way that it did on Monday night, but
0: uh the safest 12.5 point win you could ever find. Yeah, that was a good one to take cuz you know, most of these lines, I would say are like pretty efficient, you know, relative to what the, you know, Vegas and pinnacle models think these games are going to do. But then sometimes the public money can distort the line similar to what happened, I think in the college championship game. I, I wonder too, if this line, like, it would be interesting to talk to some models and what they had that at, because you have to think the Cowboys, when you just look at their body of work this season should have been projected as bigger favorites.
1: I would think so. The Brady steam is sort of hard to ignore, but let's see what we can avoid this week. Of course, it's ride or die picks going into the divisional round. I think there's some really interesting plays to hit on, but uh, Pete, tell people how we play this game of ours that you've grown to love so much as I've grown to dominate it week after week.
0: Yeah, no, I hate this game. I've been waiting for us to, uh, to hang it up. I think we should go back to building low ball lineups. You know, that's, that's more my sweet spot right there. Uh, We, we, we should bring that back. I mean, drafting the low ball with our listeners. That was a, that was a grand old time um yeah, guests too should come back at some point but you know we did what yeah. we did we get the choice <laughs> hey it's hard enough to just show up once a week man imagine having to send a dm to book a guest uh, oh,
1: well I, I i killed two of sal vetri's grandparents based on him flaking on our shows he didn't Jesus, I, I just Jesus. think well no i i shouldn't say that in that way but but sal also unfollowed me on twitter so that kind of hurt me a little bit i think sal is not our friend anymore really yeah, he, he, uh, he unfollowed like a bunch of people. He only follows like 50 people now. But it's like, okay, even, you played those for the, the, the same reason twice, and then also um, unfollow well, feels a little bit pointed.
0: You know who also did the big – I mean, he's doing the fantasy flock strategy. You only follow a couple people. You got to keep that that feed clean. Um, uh, yeah, go ahead. Ride or die, face. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to shut you up before you get yourself in trouble. I'm um, Let's see here. Uh, ride or die, yes. Yeah. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through these four divisional round games. I feel like Spags, maybe since we only have four games, maybe we should do two picks for each, okay. for each one. Oh, I bet you you'd know? like that. Well, I guess you just want to increase my advantage then. You know, uh, you're right. As an underdog, the less sample size uh, would probably be better for you, but I actually know I'm a favorite, so I need the extra ones to cover ground. But we're going to pick a hot take or two. It could be fantasy-related, DFS, against the spread, uh, player props, whatever. Then we will benchmark it as either a one-point A three-pointer or 10-pointer, one-pointer is like a 50% chance of happening. Three-pointer around a 33% chance. 10-pointer should be a true Hail Mary sub 10% chance of happening. And then Spags and I negotiate to see what kind of bullshit we let each other get away with. There you go. All right. So let's get into it here. And shout out to the chat as well. We haven't pulled up a bunch of chats here but people complimenting your
1: sweatshirt. Of course, our guy Lunchable Connoisseur, uh, OG Man's fan here. All the regulars, we appreciate you guys hanging out. We will catch up with you guys after this ride or die pick segment or during it. Jacksonville, 22 implied points. Kansas City, 30.5 implied points. This line has moved around a good amount throughout the week. I've seen it go up. I've seen it go back down. Overall, the over-under has moved a point throughout the week. Uh, so, both sides have gained a half point. So, that's just worth pointing out. The over under has been shaded. It's a one reliable thing we've seen. And I'm also going to point out, Pete, here, I think this is a Travis Kelsey smash spot. Uh, the advanced analytics all push you towards Travis Kelsey. Uh, the Jaguars on the year, worst team in the league, according to estimated points added against tight end. DVOA wise as well, tight ends uh going to be 32nd best matchup in the league going against Jacksonville. So, Jacksonville gives up a ton of production going against uh, overall the, tizan, the tight end, excuse me. Um, so, I want to say that out loud because I think Travis Kelsey is an obliteration pick here. I'm going to make the first ride or die pick. Travis Kelsey goes for 150 yards and two touchdowns.
0: 150 yards and two touchdowns. Yeah. uh, I'll give you, I'll definitely give you, um, a ten pointer for that one. Uh, I was trying to do the math on how many DraftKings points that was, but I think that's lofty. Yeah, With enough to the get there, just just
1: barely, just barely.
0: Yeah, I mean he does like even looking at like ceiling projections, he has like uh, a higher ceiling projection than even Trevor Lawrence. But let me let me have a little fun leveraging you here. I will do a ten pointer. Evan Ingram outscores Travis Kelsey. Okay. I mean, that's a good
1: 10-pointer, uh, good leverage. I'm not going to be mad at it. Evan Ingram, highly involved. So should we take one ride or die from each team then? Is that the way we should do this? I, I like it? that. Yeah, why don't we do one from each team? Okay, so then you could take one from Kansas City then.
0: Okay, yeah, so that's my, uh, that's my Jags. My Kansas City one will be, let's say this. I'll kind of correlate it with my Evan Ingram. Can I get a 10-pointer if... A non-Kelsey, non-McKinnon, non-Juju skill position player is the highest scoring non-QB on the Chiefs.
1: So So basically
0: an MVS, a Kadarius Tony is the highest scoring non-Mahomes player. I would give
1: that to you. I mean, it feels like it makes sense, like it's a logical one, but I think relative to projection, like that just seems unlikely. So I think that's fair. All right. All right. Um, So I have to take a JAG. I think there's going to be a lot of checkdowns for the Jags in this game. And Travis Etienne seemed like he put Jamichael Hasty back in the shed last week. So I will say, okay, this is a tough one. I don't know if if you'll view this as a 10-pointer. What if Travis Etienne scores more points through receptions than he does on the ground?
0: So just like pure rushing plays, he scores
1: more points through passes.
0: You're taking the passing side. Yes. I will give that to you considering he hasn't topped more than three catches uh, all season long. Uh, and they seem to really let, prefer to use him as a rusher. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I would give you that one. I think that would be the, the way you get there, right, is he takes his one of his screen passes for a touchdown. Like then you're live. But I think if he doesn't score like a long touchdown on a on a pass, I think I'm probably good. So, yeah, I, I think that's in the spirit of a 10 pointer.
1: Okay, I think they're going to play out of type a little and use him in the pass game. It's been baffling to me they haven't used him throughout the year more. He's only running 19 routes per game. Um, and they did seed a lot of snaps to Jamichael Hasty down the stretch. But I think there's a spot where you got to throw everything you can against the wall. And if you have a good pass catcher at running back, you should probably throw passes to him. Um, any other thoughts for this game? You should keep it moving.
0: Yeah, this one I struggle with. Like, it's, you know, I've been saying like all the teams feel live to me in wildcard weekend for a W, except the Jags. I do think the Jags are very live to cover. Like, that's a big number. And we saw them already just storm back in a game where they were down a lot, which could be a very similar script they have here. But I just have a hard time envisioning this Jags team going in to Arrowhead and actually winning.
1: Yeah, I would agree. Even though we did pick it in our perfect bracket. I wish wish that perhaps we didn't. Um, OG Man's fans saying Super Bowl ride or die. Splash play boys gets ChatGPT. I know you're debating this with Brick earlier in the week, but ChatGPT does not give picks. They don't. They refuse to. They will say, I don't have enough information to create fantasy content is actually what ChatGPT says, which feels lazy
0: on ChatGPT's part, to be quite honest. Yeah, wait till, uh, till chat GBT gets an affiliate deal with MGM. Then they'll start pushing out their fucking betting picks. <laughs> oh, boy. I hope they don't side with prize picks. That's <laughs> I'm for. Niche content.
1: Uh, Giants, 20.3 implied points. Philadelphia, 27.8 implied points. Uh, Pete, this is a game where, again, the Giants, you know, some sort of talk on social media, some general approaches. People have lined up the Giants a little bit more to win this game in terms of how they're approaching fantasy. Betting-wise, though, it doesn't seem like there's been a lot of love for the Giants overall. Uh, They've lost .3 on their spread throughout the week. Eagles have gained .3. Over-under has not moved, so it does feel firmly in control of the Eagles. Um, I'll give you first crack here again because I think there's some options to choose from for sure.
0: Yeah, this one – this one is is fun i think i always i've been thinking a lot about like the jags pass catchers and the giants pass catchers as similar kind of hydras and that you have these guys that have all flashed these individual ceilings the market kind of shrugs their shoulders and says we don't know which one of them it's going to be and so i think that always presents a lot of opportunity for fantasy so I will do one and it's interesting now coming from like the underdog ADP and looking at this and now seeing what like Richie James's projected ownership Mm -hmm. was going to be because I wanted to do Richie James, um, leading the giants in scoring. Uh, I still think they have, yeah, because Barkley Hodgins, will you give me a 10 pointer for that?
1: Um, yeah, I think it's a fair one. Also, uh, worth pointing out the Eagles 22nd, according to DVOA versus wide receiver threes. So theoretically that could be Richie James at benefits. So it all aligns for me and I'll give it to you. I, I was going to be a bummer if Slayton and Hodgins both dud this week and Richie James goes off,
0: but that's just, I feel like that's, I mean, who, who's are not circling back too much, but who's our uh, jag that's due. I feel like Christian Kirk hasn't had the blow up game in a while. It's been Zay and Ingram.
1: Well, Christian Kirk had a good I mean they good. all had pretty good rounds overall
0: last Sunday. It wasn't like yeah. it wasn't
1: bad an underdog. So I, I think it's probably Kirk for the outlier day. But yeah, yeah, I would say for the Giants, it definitely is Richie James because like Hodgins, I think, is just ahead of James in the pecking order. So it would be theoretically that like the Eagles could cover Hodgins more, and then James kind of gets open as a result.
0: Yeah. Um, what is what's yours going to be on the Giants side?
1: So on the Giants side, this is a tough one for me because I really do not like the Giants side that much. Um, but I'll go crazy with this one. I'm curious if, the, if you'll find this to be a 10-pointer because projection-wise, it might not be. But against as many guys as it'll be, uh, perhaps it is. Uh, Daniel Bellinger outscores oh. all giant skill position guys besides Daniel Jones.
0: Yeah, I'll give you that. Uh, I finally capitulated. I hadn't drafted any Bellinger in through the first rounds of the contest, and now I've been sprinkling him in as a, as a giant here. Uh, He's getting snaps. He's in the mix. Like
1: he's healthy, came back from a broken jaw. Like I feel like a lot of positives for Daniel Bellinger on the Eagles side. So this is technically an Eagles bet, but it is sort of a reflection on the game. Um, The spread right now, seven and a half points. I think the Eagles win by 17 and a half.
0: I like that one. I think you're doing the right thing here. You're doing what you did with the, um, with that Bucks Cowboys game, but 17 and a half is still a super, super fat number. I mean, Brian Dayball is going to be coach of the year. Uh, I do think that's very live because Daniel Jones could just show up with an epic meltdown game, but I also think this team will not just roll over, right? Like they're not just going to start calling run plays, you know, down 15, you know, they'll keep attacking, keep scrambling. So I, I will give you that one because I think that is a, that's a fat number there. Um, let me fit something with the Eagles. I'm going to just like put on my middle IQ brain and be like the giants bracketed, justin jefferson last week and let hawkinson go wild and i'm trying to decide who do i want to be the beneficiary devonta smith or goddard i feel like this early theme of the playoffs right now has been the uh the surprise tight end you know we saw schultz we saw hawkinson we've seen ingram now it's time for dallas goddard i will say dallas goddard outscores aj brown devonta smith and miles sanders for 10 points
1: so I love that pick. I think Goddard, I actually mentioned this yesterday on the stream. So there's public record of it. Um, I think Dallas Goddard's a guy you're going to need to advance out of this round, like relative to like the divisional playoff basketball stuff. Um, it's a really good matchup. So I pointed out the Jags last in the league and all these core metrics versus tight end uh, the giants number two, worst in the league <laughs> versus tight end. So I think a Kelsey Goddard, like, the uh, DraftKings lineup this week would look pretty good. I think mean, it's a really sharp play. The one risk point is that if they don't bracket A.J. Brown, like the Giants play a lot of man yeah. defense, and A.J. Brown is an absolute beast. So it's a real, like, lots of guys can go off. It's going to be a matter of what the Giants do.
0: Yeah, I know. And we've seen A.J. Brown just absolutely torch uh, man coverage. What did he have? Because I know they had the Davis-Webb game early, but what what did uh, A.J. Brown put up in their first meeting? Was that the game he, he scored, like, two touchdowns in the first half?
1: Let's see AJ Brown versus Giants. That sounds that rings a bell because I do remember I've identified a couple times. Like oh, literally, yeah. whenever
0: there's been a team
1: where it's like, oh, uh, they're re- they play a lot of man defense. AJ Brown just strafes them. So it he put was, up four for ninety five last time on ten targets, it was and then the Miles Sanders game. Touchdown. Yeah,
0: the Miles Sanders had one hundred forty four and two that game. So that's right. Yes, yeah, uh, but yeah, with miles doing that. <laughs> we will. We will see. So someone on the Eagles is going nuclear here. It's just uh, you got to guess which one it is. I've been like when I've been doing the Battle Royale drafts, I have been kind of taking like a one Eagle in every draft where it's like, even if I'm stacking up some, give me Sanders, give me Devonta Smith, give me Goddard. Like, it just feels like one of those guys uh, is going to have a monster game.
1: And worth pointing out, too, based on this conversation, according to the top markets around the world that we track it, probably uh, 76.3% chance the Eagles win out right here. That's the money line bet that's uh, floating around the world. So keep that in mind as we go on to Sunday's games. And quick, quick, quick parallel here. Do you like the two day slate for DraftKings? Like, Are you playing this weekend?
0: Yeah, I am going to end up playing. I'm going to do a show uh, this afternoon. Our friend Justin Freeman's going to swing by. He's been like a, a short slate playoff king. Um, I've been playing like tossing a lineup in the spy. Um, I, I much prefer the the four game. You know, anything over three game, I think is is pretty fun. The two gamers, I I just play showdown. Like all in the Discord and stuff, I'll share all the the showdown plays because I, I think those are fun. I just my brain does not do well with the two gamers for whatever reason.
1: See, I think you've been good at showdown this year. You should just apply the same strategies to a two-game slate, and it's like, oh, what are people building based on this two-game lineup build? Yeah. You do the same thing, so that's why I kind of wish it were two two-gamers, because I think people do have a hard time like not jamming in six guys from one team and whatever. Um, but yeah. that's how I view it. Like I would have rather had two two-gamers. I think it sucks, because I do think if you're a casual player, you don't want to late swap a bunch, you're probably dead in the water going into Sunday, just because even if you have the nuts, like you then need to pivot against uh, these guys who have 150 lineups who also have the nuts.
0: Yeah, that's why I've just been playing like the spy too, where I just, I'll just build one lineup and yeah, if I need to swap, I can, and I'm not having to, I'm not at the point where I can, uh, stress even guys, when I talk with Brian and I'll be like, did your 150 back set in the Millie maker? Are you, are you late swap? He's like, most of the time, no, like even for him, he's like, this is too much work to even re-optimize. So yes, I, I agree. If you're, you're if you're 150 maxing, you better be on your computer all day.
1: And that's what's keeping Brick out of ChatGPT's top rankings. Specifically, that is that he won't late swap. <laughs> what makes I the can't. most sense?
0: I was so dizzy. We did. We went uh, went through it on Lulls yesterday, uh, and we we had a few funny moments. Um, the what they said the definition of "run pure" was them listing David Kitchen as one of the top DFS players. There was a few good moments, but for the most part, you're like, this thing's so shitty. Like it, it has like a year and a half lag on things that would just be easily searchable on Google. So mixed bag with ChatGPT.
1: You got to introduce Brick to Replica. You got to introduce him to Girl Brick and then you can make it a whole bit.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, I got to keep him away from those things that, you know, his his eyes start, you know, lighting up. And next thing you know, he leaves me
1: naked replica yoga all right on the sunday cincinnati 21.8 implied points buffalo 27.3 implied points uh, throughout the week the Bengals line has come down a point and a half buffalo's come up about 0.3 so that's interesting to note over under throughout the week has come down a point as well we're now under 50 so that's also interesting to note here uh feels like pete the market's pushing towards more of a defensive matchup yeah These are two good defensive
0: teams but i want to shoot out I do too. And this one, I remember when I talked about this on XM, I was like, give me the over these two teams I, you know, you're watching them play on the Monday night game that got canceled and the Bengals marched down the field score immediately. And I'm sitting here and then I'm like, I don't necessarily want to IKB the markets here who, like you said, are continuing to indicate. I don't know if it's some offensive line issues, you know, how much of a pass rush was getting home on Josh Allen last week. Uh, I'm trying to figure out why they think this is going to be a slower game because Both of these teams, their pass rate over expectation this year was massive and the way that the Bengals, because I do think if you said, hey, the Bengals want to keep the ball out of Josh Allen's hands, they have some good running backs, let's run the ball. But that's not how they attacked that game to start last week. I mean, it was full aerial attack. So I honestly have been struggling with the over under in this game and I don't have a good read on it.
1: Yeah, I agree, and I think there are some interesting things too where clearly the Bills saw a little bit of what Cincinnati wants to do in that game and sort of is going to have to adjust to that, but then Cincinnati's going to have to adjust the adjustments. So uh, some weird things in this game that you're not normally getting in a playoff game, Uh, but I'll go first in this one. We'll start the Cincinnati side. Um, I will say that, so I think people will chase, no pun intended, chase Jamar Chase because he's been the best receiver lately. Target share has gone up. I think Chase is going to run into a tough time with Tredavis White being out there and being full go. Like I think that's something people forget. He's the one shutdown corner in the league that I'm like, all right, let's be a little cautious here. T Higgins, I think scores. uh, Let's see. We have a five point spread. I'll say T Higgins scores five more points than Jamar Chase. Would you qualify that as a 10 pointer?
0: Um, five more points. Yeah. I just looking at the gap in their projection, um, I think that's a 10 pointer, but man, that, that feels like a sharp one because, mm-hmm. um, uh, one, you're kind of getting, you're getting your, uh, your hand in the dirt there with the matchup, but also we've just seen these guys be able to ping pong these alpha games. Uh, so I hate that I I'm giving it to you, but I got to be fair by the letter of the numbers in these projections. What, what's the spread that stochastic has on Jamar chase versus T Higgins projection?
1: So they have Jamar chase at 18.01 T Higgins at 13.2. So they definitely have knocked down. I think the target share change in the last four weeks has probably pushed more projections towards chase.
0: And Leone has an even bigger gap. He has a base projection of 21.8 for chase and then 14.8 for Higgins. So six point gap uh, or sorry, seven point gap and then you're going to tack on five. So I saw thought 12 point, I guess okay. I got to give that to you. Okay. I accept it. What do you want from the Bengals? I am worried. Um, let's see. <laughs> What do I want from the Bengals? Let's see um, if if this is like a what's the total in this game? Did you say uh, the total right now is at forty nine? Forty nine. There's no, I can't do like this game goes under thirty nine. That would just be batshit <laughs> crazy. Um, is it though? Football's volatile sport, Pete. I don't know if you heard. <laughs> it is, but man, like when you saw so Josh Allen's A dot has creeped up like every week. His A dot last week was twenty one. They were. He was just fucking bombing the ball down to Gabe Davis towards the end of the stretch there. It feels like Gabe Davis has kind of had like the Mike Evans thing where they just keep taking deep shot after deep shot and we haven't had the explosion game. Fuck it. Let's do Gabe Davis explosion. Let's say uh, Gabe Davis um, outscores everyone except the quarterbacks. Is that a 10-pointer? I mean, I think... I think it is. Um,
1: that I, I think I'm with Diggs, you on it, though.
0: Chase, yeah. Higgins.
1: No, it, it's, it's a hot take. I think you're absolutely right, though. Like, that was the thing that I, I love Gabe Davis last week because he's just getting the targets every week. Like, they started to kind of ramp him up, and now the air yards are there. I think he's now got the most playoff touchdowns in history. You're tied for most playoff touchdowns in history with Josh Allen. Um, so, interesting things for Gabe Davis, but I think that's a good pick. Did you, you didn't pick a Bengals guy, did you?
0: Uh, did, did, did I not do Bengals yet? Sorry, I jumped over. You were too Let excited me... for
1: Gabe Davis, which I get. I, which We are right back to where we were in preseason. <laughs> it's Gabe Davis one week and we're completely blinded.
0: I did. Uh, all right, for Bengals, let's say this. I will say, uh, you know what? I am just going to do a cheeky three-pointer that's correlated with yours. Just get on the board. I'm going to say Joe Mixon outscores Jamar Chase.
1: Okay. I think that's a that's a fair three pointer, certainly within the range. Um, if you wanted to do it by, because I'm seeing with stochastic projection, uh, Mixon at twelve point seven, Jamar Chase at eighteen, you could take a little bit of juice on Joe Mixon and get to ten.
0: All right, fuck it, you goading me into taking points off the table, but I need to I need to cover ground. So yeah, let's do. Uh, so what does he
1: need to clear him by? So he would needs he's down five and a half, so we need to beat him by four and a half. All right, mix him by four and a half. Give it to me. Okay, them. I accept that. And then for my bill side, I'm actually gonna go with you on Gabe Davis. So if ever there were a concern or a reason to play a lot of Gabe Davis, this'll be it. Uh, but Gabe Davis, I will say Millie Maker winning lineup for the DK tournament this weekend. The four gamer? Yeah, the four gamer.
0: See, this is a cheat because I don't we have to scale that. I'm not gonna allow this because the whole idea of that was on nine ten game slates when you get it down to a four the odds of any one guy skyrockets
1: okay so how about i could parlay it with my t higgins then and say that gabe davis and t higgins both get into the millimaker winning lineup all
0: right i'll give you that
1: because i think that changes the slate completely because people play a lot of chase people playing a lot of digs and then if those two guys get there at 5600 and 4800 like that's gonna completely break the slate
0: yeah uh yeah, I'll, I'll 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 allow the double because then I think that's more in the spirit of that bumps it up to like the equivalent of an eight game slate of getting two guys in. I did not think it was slick. I yeah, thought it was a did. fair
1: take here. It's still hard. We to always
0: do with <laughs> Billy Baker lineups ten points. I don't f- care that it's a showdown slate.
1: Fine, fine. I try to get that through. Any other thoughts on this game? Who who wins this one? Really? Like I think I feel more like it's going to be the Bills, but I still am holding a torch for the Bengals.
0: Yeah, I. uh, I've struggled with this one too. I it looking at the two teams last week and how they played, I thought that the Bills being, you know, close to an upset with the Dolphins was more damning than the Ravens game just cuz the Ravens defense is so good. Um I so yeah, I I'm kind of leaning Bengals. I also think You know, if you want to IKB kind of like the emotional weight heading into this game, like the Bengals were pissed at how all this stuff played out. They think that they should have a right to a home field or at least a neutral uh, field for this game. I think they're going to be fired up and uh, I don't know. Yeah. Give me the Bengals here. Definitely the Bengals with the points. I do like that.
1: Do you trust Zach Taylor to give a good pep talk like along those lines? Like, I don't think he's like a rally, like, oh man, like this is a
0: game of inches. He's not giving an Al Pacino speech on any given Sunday. I just don't feel it for Zach Taylor. Uh, yeah, I guess I could see that, you know, whereas Dayball man, he looks like, like full Neanderthal, like he's just going to go primal, like rip open his shirt and start screaming. I don't know if I see it from Zach Taylor. I, I'm with you.
1: Brian Dable needs to be the hard knocks coach. Cause you know, he's going to do some Rex Ryan. I need a snack kind of balls. <laughs> Did you see fan.
0: Andy Reed, uh, is excited to go to Germany next year, uh, for one of their games solely because he wants to have bratwurst. That guy. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Gotta
1: respect him living up to the gimmick.
0: Yeah, I mean, this guy, they tell him he's going to uh, the first thing he thinks about is just having a a stein of beer and a two foot long bratwurst stays on brand for sure.
1: Immaculate vibes. <laughs> Dallas 21.3 implied points. The Niners 25.3 implied points. So a four-point line favoring San Francisco at home. Uh the line has moved up 0.5, or the over-under rather has moved up 0.5 throughout the week. Uh both sides have gained equally on that. So that's a positive as well. Seems like edging slightly towards more scoring. Uh Pete, you can go first here if you want to pick either the Cowboys side or the Niners, uh, the Niners side.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I think I mentioned at the top that I'm surprised both. Uh, projection wise and like how he's being drafted. It seems like everyone's just like out on Tony Pollard. I mean, he to me was clearly their um, lead back in that game. Once it got uh, to be a blowout, they started ramming Zeke up the middle a little bit more, but Pollard was getting all the work early. If we assume this game is closer than that game and we assume they're not having success running into the interior line. Like I think Pollard's going to have a really big game here in the passing game. So let me just do a 10 pointer. I'll say, I'll say uh, Tony Pollard outscores Christian McCaffrey.
1: Okay, uh, that's interesting. Um, I, I think that's fair. Um, it does seem like relative to projections. Uh, McCaffrey favored by a 10, so that works. Um, I, I'm with you on that take. I worry a little bit about the Niners' ability to cover the running back. They do have actually one of the highest EPAs, one of the best EPAs in the league, rather most negative EPAs, uh, going against pass-catching running backs. So that does spook me a little bit about Pollard. Um, I think it's going to be a weird one where somebody who is not a core Cowboy goes off what if michael gallup is the top scoring scale
0: position guy for the cowboys um yeah i i'll give you that because i think it you could argue it'd be close just even over cd um but i wouldn't give you that one because it's too close but yeah you toss in pollard and you toss in schultz who uh has another kind of nice matchup here i know the niners are more weak over the middle into slot wide receivers so yeah i'll give you that if gallup leads it but you certainly can get there with a bomb
1: Yes, that that would be the hope here. I think they have to try to attack downfield a little bit here. And that's the one uh, Niners weak spot in the year, 0.4 EPA on throws of 20 plus yards, 43% completion rate, Uh, both not good marks for a defense that's good in pretty much every other facet of the game. Uh, For the Niners side, worth pointing out, Christian McCaffrey is going to be incredibly highly owned on DraftKings this weekend, obviously also in the playoff best ball stuff. That's important to keep in mind if you are playing DFS on DraftKings. Um, But I guess I'll go first for the Niners, and I will say, so pressure, checkdowns. Christian McCaffrey catches 10 or more passes. Is that a 10 pointer?
0: Um, let me, let me see what like these guys have for his base. He's averaging six targets per game on the year,
1: 24 rounds per
0: game. I know, but that, that feels more like a five pointer to me. I'm just being completely honest. 10 is like well within his range. I don't, I think his ceiling projection for catches would be like 13 or 14. So what all right so let's say 13 then is that a 10 pointer let me let me just look just cuz the <laughs> i want to see what they have all right Squeezing so my head. paul paulson paulson who's notoriously level-headed with his projections some would say maybe even too level-headed uh hasn't projected for five receptions um i what it, what what was your, what was your counter that you gave me i i'll go to 12 or 13 but i i, th- I feel like 10 is fair Let's do over 12 and a half.
1: Okay, I accept that. Over 12, so 13 or more. That's fine. All right, I'll take yeah. that. Uh, what do you want
0: from the Niners? Yeah, Nick Nick, kind of stealing my thunder here. Same thing of like, which one of these non-CMC guys is popping up for a big game? Last week it was Debo. A few weeks before we had seen Lamb, or sorry, uh, Kittle. And I do agree. I do think it's Ayuk week. Um, let's do... I already did Pollard outscore CMC. Let's do... What? Will you just give me IU highest uh, scoring non-quarterback in this game? 10-pointer? In the game, so for both sides? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I accept that. All right. Yeah, so obviously you're looking at CMC is the big one, his own teammate. But I do think there's kind of like a negative correlation there, right? Like if Ayuk is stealing a couple of the touchdowns, it means CMC is probably out of it. And so then you're really competing, I think, mainly against Lamb.
1: All right, so who who wins this game, Pete? That's the other question here. I'm. This is one thing where I do think no matter who wins this one, as long as they score enough to advance, I think I'm going to have some teams that are going to be well positioned. You know, they just have to beat the Eagles or Giants next week. So I don't have a real dog in this fight, but I am curious who you think is going to win.
0: This is where like, I feel like I do a decent job of like compartmentalizing based on like format and where there's value because I hopped on Niners minus three and a half. Like I thought this line would be like more like six or something and it has moved to four. So, you know, yay me, half point of uh, closing line value there. On the other hand, I've been absolutely pummeling the Cowboys in these drafts because they seem incredibly undervalued. I mean, mm-hmm. Dak is going super late. Like I said, you can like set up really sick AFC stuff and then just grab lamb, collard schultz like it's so easy to do so i'm like of two minds where i think that D- dallas is undervalued and yet i still think the niners uh pull it out here
1: i think dallas wins <sighs> i but i think it's, i really think this is a pure coin toss like i think it should be yeah. a closer spread honestly um i think really? it should be like a pick them basically uh, but wow. obviously niners being at home and all that but i think this is going to be the better game out of all of the nfc games by a wide margin um, but I think Dallas wins. It's just you could tell me other team's going to win. And I'm personally most financially motivated by Brock Purdy moving on because I have some sick Brock Purdy teams that are now just need the Niners to get there.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think Brock Purdy advancing will be very fun just for mass chaos. It will be very bad for my mentions because the Raw Doggers will uh, continue adding me. Uh, yeah, the thing – this is where I'm torn. I think I would like to see the Cowboys win. But the Cowboys, to me, just seem so destined for, like, the grossest meltdown game. Like, the Cowboys going on the road to Philadelphia, I feel like Philadelphia would just, like, kick the shit out of them. And then it's like, well, we got a shitty NFC Championship game, Uh, whereas at least the 49ers, I think, are going to put up a fight. So, yeah, I'm torn. I do like you. I just hope this is a fun game, a close game, because uh, I think it has the makings to be a pretty fun shootout.
1: And yeah, for the people that are fading, the Cowboys are worried about them. Uh, Dak does kind of fall apart when there's pressure. 68 QB rating on the year. Uh, Brock Purdy, shockingly high 82 QB rating on the year going against pressure. Brock Purdy is a world beater. But Pete, we couldn't do a show together with a new and Returns out there. We have to enter one tournament on this one before we call it a show today. So I'm pulling it up on the screen now. We are entered. Uh, the draft just filled right before my eyes. And any overall thoughts here? Because we are picking at the turn here of this round. Any thoughts for yourself on how to approach these tournaments? Is anything kind of bubbled up as a strategy for you? Because I've grown to like four, two, two, two builds a lot. I think four, three, threes are still what I would try to push towards, but obviously you can kind of do whatever. Have you kind of gravitated towards one particular kind of
0: build? Well, I would say one dynamic in these divisional ones is it is a little harder to get like clean four three threes. You know, I like those when you are able to get the best players on each team. You can still do it if you're using Giants and Jags and and maybe Cowboys just because they're a little cheaper. But in general, it's harder to get that. Um, and I've also noticed because there's less teams and more drafters competing for the same bucket. Of teams that I've been forced to go to more like some one-off plays, some more bring backs. So even if I load up the Chiefs, like I might take a Marvin Jones as my last pick, even though that pick is going to die, but just trying to say, can I get ceiling here to advance? So I've been a little more willing to break like macro team correlation in these. And then, like I said, my biggest thing is I've been going AFC early because I do really like the value on the Cowboys and Giants later.
1: Yeah, no, I agree with that. And shout out to Mathology. Raw Dog's giving it back here with a $6.90. Super Chat, I think just hears the word Raw Doggy, and he's like, ah, the, the bat signals had put out for me. I have to jump in.
0: Yeah. <laughs> appreciate uh, you, we Matt. appreciate you, Mathology. And Spags, how, how have the Super Chats been flowing uh, during the week? You've been <laughs> uh, getting some tips?
1: I mean, we we do some here and there. I don't pander for them that much. But the regulars like to throw some Max, You know, Lunchable Connoisseur like to throw some. And I'm very appreciative of that overall, just like I'm appreciative of a good coffee pour. Have you Um, showed your
0: nipple to try to boost the Super Chats is the question.
1: The thing is, like, this is all, like, doing Splash Play to me, like, you know, Pete knows. Like, I don't make money off it. I just do it for fun because, like, it's going to be helpful to kind of build a channel and go. And, like, I think, you know, we've talked about it enough. There are people out there doing. Wait, you're just doing 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 this this for fun? (laughs) yeah no right it's not yeah it's not giving the rich financial gains all
0: right we're on the clock here i've Um, been fine doing the chalk burrow chase thing here but if you want to galbrain stuff with your Tradavius white take i'm fine to mess around
1: no i mean i do think that chase would look good here the issue is like i would take two afc studs but we only really have one afc stud so let's just get an actual stack here and go with that um and we'll hopefully get some upside somewhere else all right so we got burrow and chase
0: I'm glad oh. we made the pick before Jason's uh, Brock Purdy raw dog uh, tip came in because then we would have been legally obligated to take like Brock Purdy <laughs> with AJ Brown.
1: I really think that the Brock Purdy naked stuff is going to come back to bite people because people are now no shit. That no fucking
0: it. shit. It's going to come back to bite people. There's no way it works. Like in what scenario does that actually hit?
1: I mean, it would hit if he does what he did last week again. And like, I don't know, it just outscores Allen Burrow and Mahomes. Like that would be no. it.
0: The only way it hits if it's like 49ers Chiefs Super Bowl and Mahomes gets like food poisoning from eating like tamales in Arizona and that Brock Purdy's the only live quarterback in the game. I think there's
1: it's, there's definitely worlds of a one-game sample where Brock Purdy can outscore Josh Allen or Mahomes or Burrow in a Super Bowl. Like I will firmly die on that one because he's just a vessel for like great players. He just needs to throw check downs to Debo.
0: Yeah. It's fine. I don't know. It's fine.
1: <laughs> had <laughs> a draft where someone took Kelsey at the one Oh two and got Mahomes on the way back. So jealous. That's definitely something that people do. I have not been that lucky. i I get left holding the bag every time I try to do that, but there's ways to get those QBs to fall. If you get in the right room for sure.
0: All right. So um. So you know. the one thing, so I, I, when I have done the, the burrow chase stuff, like you generally have a decision point, like if you're in a decent room, like they will give you the Higgins Mixon if you want it, if you want to onslaught the Bengals, or you can decide, do I make my detour here? Looks like we might have a nice Niners pocket. We could set up the uh, Ceedee Lamb already went, so you can't grab the Lamb Pollard, which I like. Um, so this is kind of our decision point. We're obviously going to draft more Bengals. The question is, do we want the elite ones, or do we want to wait, get your Hearst, your Boyd, your P. Ryan, and then detour for better NFC players, I think is kind of the decision point here.
1: The tough part is that there's no other Niners you want to take past these three. And now they made the decision for us a little bit here. Um, I think we just go four Bengals and hope the Bengals make the Super Bowl.
0: Yeah, I, I'm fine. I, I mix it up. Uh, but when the draft gives you this, because sometimes, you know, as we know, these kamikaze drafters, these two won't be here. So I don't uh-huh. mind just going all elite Bengals. We're already playing for them going to the Super Bowl when we take Burrow, So might as well get uh, these four studs.
1: Yeah. If you had told me that like two of Ayuk, Kittle and Debo were going to fall to us, then you could have made the case a little bit more. Just take two Niners and hope you can get there. Um, but I think with how that worked out with them going right before us, like we're going to take Ayuk and Juwan Jennings and or Juwan Jennings and Mitchell. Like, I don't know. It just wouldn't feel that great to get that Niners two, man.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing that I wrestle with, um, here because I don't like who was available there. From the Niners because Kittle did go. So we wouldn't, if we would have been able to get both Kittle and Iuk, I might have said, hey, that would be a fun detour to play for Cincinnati, San Francisco. But then once the talent gap drops off, the opportunity cost isn't as big. That's how I've been kind of thinking about it. And that's why I end up with so much Pollard because Pollard, I mean, when you look at the ceiling of Pollard versus Singletary versus Pacheco, these other guys going in this range, I'm like, dude, Pollard can put up a 30 burger here, and he's going in a range of players who can't.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I think Dallas to me has been overvalued this whole time. Like that to me is part of why, too, I think it wouldn't be shocking to see Dallas make the Super Bowl is just because that's how it goes every year. It's like people undervalue one team, even though there's no logical reason to. And then they end up being the team that helps make these kind of lineups work, like the Bengals would have last year. I guess maybe the Rams, but less so. Uh, but I think that's sort of what I feel the cases for Dallas, where if they beat the Niners, they have now knocked out a lot of teams. And then also, they're most likely, I think, to be the Super Bowl team that actually has some guys represented there. So, Dallas is a great team to go to. I would have loved if that, if those guys fell to us.
0: Um, I think it's unlikely, but man, I would, I know you don't like the giants, but you know, uh, building out a backdoor, uh, giants thing might make sense here. Yeah. I don't falls. like the
1: giants in terms of like, if we're just going to purely pick games, but I think for this kind of build, playing a giants, Bengal super bowl would definitely have some merit if, if we can get Saquon.
0: Yeah. Let's see the, can I see the, uh, the yeah. board, um, or sorry, the ADPs. Um, yeah, this stinks because all of the top stuff right now, other than Barkley, is all AFC stuff. Ah, oh, uh, Barkley down. goes. So, uh, so you could do like if we want to onslaught the Bengals later, um, like you could do a Eli Mitchell Schultz, and basically we do a bunch of one offs from the NFC and just onslaught the or if you do want to take ETN and just play like. I, I kind of like the one-offs in the NFC, honestly, and just trying to build. Oh, hang on. Sorry. Yeah. Let's take Boyd with one of these picks.
1: Are you sure? Because I don't mind taking Hurst later. Okay. We can do that too. I think the tight ends are undervalued in this format because I think they've had enough upside to get there. I was actually initially right aligned with you, with like taking Eli Mitchell and Schultz. So I think let's go that way. Yeah. ETN, I think, is a good advance rate player. Like, I think he's a good spot to do that with. But... If we're trying to win the Super Bowl, like we need to get guys from the Super Bowl there. And I don't think ATN makes it out of this round.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think you go Schultz and we'll just build. Uh, the, the only reason I say the Boyd thing is this dynamic plays out. Uh, people have heard me, I call it squatter's rights. The second mm-hmm. someone takes Boyd, then they are open to taking Hurst and P. Ryan to continue to build out that bet. And so sometimes I like to just keep plowing along where I'm the only one that has a team knowing, like, a one-off Hayden Hurst is going to be very unattractive to most other drafters. No, I I
1: agree. I think that makes sense. And I, I think Boyd's a perfectly fine player. Like I think he had a down year relative to last year. I mean, you could look at the numbers and see that, Uh, but it wasn't that much down. Like he actually had more touchdowns. He just kind of didn't have the spike weeks he had uh, the previous year, but I just think Hurst is like, he, I feel like Hurst has been quietly one of the best parts of that offense, even though, you know, he's a free agent tight end who didn't matter that much. Like he's been really important to that moving the ball downfield and Burrow looks for him a lot. So I think in the playoffs, that just kind of matters.
0: Yeah. And I do think we have now, I think, I think we're done at running back just with how quickly running back drops off. There's not a lot that makes sense. I think we can just take a lot of these big cuts at wide receiver, basically any NFC Wide receiver with some upside, Hodgins. I see Gallup. We have the other Giants wide receivers. Like if we want to do a Jawan Jennings because we have Eli Mitchell, um, I think that's where we go along with the the Hayden Hurst pick, who I think we need.
1: Yeah, I would agree. Um, let's see some of the chats here. If we got a freaking Jags Giants Super Bowl, they
0: should flex it to a Thursday <laughs> night. <laughs> That'd be incredible. Amazon be Prime, great be <laughs> Yeah, what Taylor Swift could drop another uh, album teaser during one of the commercials would be a grand old time. <laughs>
1: That, uh, so is, is Lauren a big Taylor Swift fan?
0: uh shit like i wouldn't say big like she wasn't like hawking Ticketmaster for tickets but i think she likes taylor Swift. okay so yeah so guess, alex uh, is like yeah. a huge
1: taylor swift fan like we she has out like artwork and stuff and whatever like big fan of her but then she also got the ticket master tickets all that and then when that happened when it was like peak taylor swift hype then that capital one commercial came out of taylor swift where there's like a hundred different taylor swifts in an elevator i'm like yeah can i not get as much taylor swift in my life i know we have guys in the audience who love her but holy shit like i've I've never been so sick of a human being. I don't know in my life.
0: Uh, I can respect that. Uh, Tyler Boyd does go. That would have been fun if he made it all the way back after passing Mm -hmm. on him. Um, I think I'm Hodgins and Hurst here.
1: Okay. Hodgins and Hurst. I like that. Hodgins, I think is a very like Hodgins should be a core part of what they do next year, unless they go crazy in free agency. He's good. Like he's a good player. For sure.
0: Yeah. he's he's been playing really, really well. Um, So yeah, now our team. So we have. Five Bengals, um, we can field a starting lineup in the Super Bowl from the Bengals side if the Bengals make it to the Super Bowl. And then right now, we're just trying to get as much upside as possible to help us advance here. And then knowing, hey, Bengals Niners, maybe Eli Mitchell, you, you got to imagine if it's a Niners Super Bowl, a ton of CMC Purdy teams. Maybe we have some leverage there. You know, Giants upset the Eagles. We're looking good there. Schultz, I think, would provide leverage on a Bengals-Cowboy Super Bowl where you'd see a ton of Pollard and Lamb. So I do kind of like um, how this build works out. Yeah,
1: no, I I agree. Like, these are the kind of builds that I'm willing to go for, I think, as long as you have enough to get to one roster. I actually do have a question for you, though. The five-man stacks, like, overall, do you think those are good moves or do you think they're a little too stacky-stacky? Because I think uh, Razan had mentioned in the chat the other day where he was talking about, uh, basically, like, last year, some of the top 50 teams, and I think it was the gauntlet, just had five guys from the Rams that didn't have anybody from the Bengals' side. Is that something you would push towards, or do you think that's just kind of a way to cash okay but not actually win at all?
0: I like it if you can get all of the best players on that team. If you're Mm -hmm. doing a five-man bill stack and like two of the five are Cole Beasley and Shakir and stuff like that, then I start to worry. Like, do you actually have enough firepower to get out when other teams have a Gabe, have the Steph Diggs? That happens with the Chiefs a lot too. Like, it's nearly impossible to get Mahomes, Kelsey, McKinnon, Juju, just the way people go. But like what we just did in the Bengals, getting their four best players, I'm okay with that because. We know all of those guys have massive ceilings, and we know two of those ceilings can often hit in the same game. Burrow obviously correlated with the pass catchers, but wouldn't be crazy to see both Mixon and Higgins have a big game. So if it's a concentrated offense, you have all of the studs, I'm definitely good with it.
1: Did you see the conspiracy theory that she died in a car crash in this version of Taylor Swift as a clone? That stuff's been going around for a while. Like, I remember that when I was a kid where people were like, oh, the ultimate warrior died and they brought another guy in and he's like, now the guy is the ultimate warrior. So I think that's just what teens do, but I'm pretty sure it's the original annoying Taylor for sure.
0: Yeah, uh, I had missed that one. Uh, apparently <laughs> I too I had my hand too much in the dirt on this divisional round to miss the Taylor Swift uh, truth or conspiracies.
1: Do You ever get deep into TikTok where you're like browsing TikTok for like an hour or so?
0: I do. Um that's kind of like my well when playoff draft contests weren't going on that was my wind down ritual at night is uh is to scroll through TikTok and uh now I'm just doing playoff drafts but yes uh I love going down the TikTok rabbit hole although spags my algo now is just all kid content and like oh, yeah. it keeps giving it to me because I keep watching the little kid shit like and so that's that's just where I'm at now.
1: Yeah. So if you watch, at least from my experience, if you watch like an hour or so, that's when you start getting the weird conspiracy TikTok stuff. (laughs) And it's like, it's idiot teens saying it, it's idiot adults saying it. And I'm just like, no interest in this. Like that is not my wheelhouse at all. But I do feel like it's like, oh, they know you're bleary eyed and watching TikTok and you're most vulnerable now to getting too deep into conspiracies tiktok is a dangerous place man with how well they know you because i get the kid stuff too and it's all kid stuff where i'm like i hate kid videos who aren't my kid and it's like oh it's so relatable like i get it so tiktok is incredibly bad for everybody
0: yeah they're they're so good at like it was literally like as my like interests like change like say seasonally or whatever like tiktok just gets out in front of it and starts getting like i went through a phase this summer where i was really into watching like basketball highlights um and stuff and so tiktok was just Pummeling me with basketball stuff, you know, like the AAU circuit and all these highlights, and now I'm into the, uh you know, all the all the toddlers being funny stuff. So it is what it is. Slayton for sure.
1: Okay, I, that's what I was hoping we were going to go for.
0: And then who should be our last pick here?
1: T Y. Oh no, T Y. Hilton's gone. I think, right? You could do Noah yeah. Brown.
0: Is yeah, there really Brown. that big of a difference between Brown and Hilton?
1: I think Hilton's got a little more upside, but Brown was a little more involved than I would have thought. So that's fine. Not, neither of them is lighting the world on fire either way. So our final team, Burrow, Mixon, Mitchell, Chase, Higgins, Schultz, Hodgins, Hurst, Slayton, Brown. Um, for If
0: we took a Niner, it would have had to be like Ray Ray McLeod. I don't know. That's yeah. That's, where at least we know, like, say if there were any, say the Cowboys win. And, you know, if, say, like Gallup were to get hurt, like Noah Brown would project very well uh next next round so i don't and he's still capable of catching a ball i although i'm hit did you see my five leg pick him that bombed yeah. last weekend so i had a five legger uh for the dallas bucks game and i was a half yard short on noah brown's 18 and oh. a half yard prop uh, it was a 50 burger for 1k and <laughs> noah brown screwed me out a half yard
1: i mean isn't that every parlay that's ever existed <laughs> like that's how I feel about parlay It's what I've said the story before like how I got into gambling in college was like I hit one seven leg parlay and then I was like I'm gonna not gamble anymore for a while didn't gamble again so I started getting the DFS but I feel like that's every parlay is like I'm so close I'm so close and it's like oh this stupid thing that I shouldn't have even bet on is the thing that cost me
0: well and the thing that is addicting and I know people do this with the single game parlays too is you start building out a story for a game and there are like if you are thinking of the correlative uh, correlating benefits of it like then you're like oh maybe it isn't as big of a log shot like in mine i had a tom brady pick and i played it as a cowboys route and so like my thesis on the game for the pickup was correct it's just uh i should have done ty hilton over instead of fucking
1: it's so yeah on. yeah that's a fair one all right so that we got our final team in here name it um, let's- name it
0: name it pete and spags finally oh, get fair. out of this town and chip away at pat's two million dollar lead <laughs>
1: I I haven't named... um, I always name our teams. Usually, I've not named my stream teams in the Mitten because I'm just like, I just feel like all these fucking suck. Um, SP Cincinnati, uh, Chippen, at Corrine2M.
0: What I've done... Basically, I drew the line. I named all of my gauntlet ones. Anything over $25 draft, Mm -hmm. I named. And I said... And then I saw like my Mitten pods, and I thought about going in there, and I was like, even this, when you have to finish, what, top 12 in the Mitten ones? To advance uh i was like i'm not renaming the mitten ones until those advance next week then i will start to name those
1: it's sick how i did exactly the same thing i named all my gauntlet ones as i went i'm like okay this one's this like i i if i tweeted it out like i noted that and then for the mitten, i'm like whatever man never fucking happens <laughs>
0: I will say like I have multiple stream teams that, uh, that advance, you know, because I think what happens, right. Is when you do stream and people get in the draft with you, anyone watching knows how to draft these well, and isn't doing the crazy shit that the rogue drafters. And so I think we all generally build logical teams and then those have the best chance of succeeding when they move on. Whereas when you're with some of these kamikaze guys, they're taking the one-off scratches and then increasing their odds of advancing but man like tabbing through some of my gauntlet pods it's really fun i found one spags that had three qbs and two of them were dead Uh, um like just wild wild stuff
1: yeah, I, I drafted a lot of the teams that advanced in the Mitten on stream last week. So I appreciate everybody who rode with me there. I saw Dustin's question too. I'm not going to stream later this afternoon. On Fridays, I usually just try to let this video get the views that it deserves for my time with Pete. So uh, that'll be it for me today. But Pete, give people your plugs because I have no content coming up. No stochastic show for me this weekend. Uh, so Pete, you've got stuff with Davis coming up later this afternoon. Yeah, going to do. An, How How I
0: disrespect Justin Freeman. And, and the badge bros. It's going to be a little hodgepodge cool. stream because it's like I can't. You know, in the, in the regular season, I definitely get dialed in on the DFS week. Uh, I'm definitely feeling the pull uh, more towards, obviously, the playoff contest. And even I've been blasting off on the Battle Royale for the divisional round just because it's such a loaded slate. Um, so I'm having fun with that. So, yeah, 2 p.m., uh, Justin Freeman's going to hop on. We're going to talk the four-game slate and some showdown strategy. Then uh, the Badge Bros are going to come on after. We'll do some Battle Royales. Um I was going to say we might have to do a big mitten because there were no other contests up potentially if the gauntlet fills, but they did of course release the mitten returns, the final return. I know what you did last summer in the mitten contest. Uh, so we'll, 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 draft some of those. So yeah, that'll all be 2 PM, like 2 PM to 4 PM. If you guys want to come hang out and then I'm doing XM as always here in 10 minutes.
1: Yeah, so follow at Peter Roversette, follow at Chris Spags. follow this show at Splash Play Pod, and I continue to grind here the other days of the week, so subscribe to the channel, hit the like button, leave a comment, NFL draft content, whatever stuff is going on in Underdog, uh, DraftKings as well, doing all that stuff here on the channel, so make sure to get in there. Um, Any final words, Pete, here as we go into, uh, this is really our last like big slate after this. It's just two games, one game, and then we are uh, going to have to learn the XFL. <laughs> are we going to try yeah. that?
0: I mean, then next thing you know, uh, once these games are over, Spags and I are forced to debase ourselves by trying to eat a pizza in 10 (laughs) minutes on this channel to try to keep things afloat. That's where we're headed.
1: Can't wait. Can't wait, guys. But go go do following everything, do all that stuff, and check out Pete's shows. And we'll see you guys again soon. Good luck.